deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast. Brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Von Warnke, the Outdoor Success Guy, back with another podcast for you guys. Man, am I excited and fired up to be in front of this microphone again and be able to share the Texas Outdoor Nation lifestyle with you. And uh, I'm really excited about this particular episode because we are post-general season right now and uh, entering uh, muzzleloader season, which started right after uh, general season ended. And general season went a little bit later this year in January, and that's kind of cool. But uh, basically, we're in muzzleloader season right now. And uh, this is just to give you guys an idea of what muzzleloaders are about uh some limitations and some benefits to using a muzzleloader and those kind of things some different kinds of muzzleloaders those kind of things and i've got my buddy trevor bryan on this podcast uh kind of helping us uh, reel in some information of uh about muzzleloader season and about muzzleloaders and he hunts public land uh right when this podcast is going to release he'll be on a hunt in the uh, davy crockett national forest i believe and uh man just a hardcore public land hunter which you don't find a ton of that are doing media in, in texas especially my part of the world um so anyway i just had to have him on because he is uh not really a, a, a you know humongous expert at muzzleloaders but he has got the passion for hunting public land and uh is just is just a wealth of knowledge on getting started with muzzleloaders and some of his experiences and that kind of stuff so anyway if you've not done so already please check out our blog at fishgame.com that's fishgame.com there's all kinds of different information on there about um hunting and fishing and outdoors and wildlife and uh tactical stuff and all kinds of different stuff like that there's a lot of information to help you be a better outdoorsman and uh, and learn about god's great creation in the outdoors and that's that's one thing i really try to make this podcast about one reason why i have chester moore on all the time because him and i are both christian guys and, and we just really believe that it's just a magnitude of possibilities out there um of, of 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 what's out there you know the wildlife beyond the 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 pavement you know the wildlife that we see uh, and that we don't see and uh some different things to make you think so I, hopefully this is you know i hope that this has made you think a little bit more about the hunting and fishing lifestyle and this podcast has been a benefit to you because that's the whole purpose of doing this show every couple of weeks is basically to um give you something you may not be getting everywhere else on other outdoor podcasts i know there's a lot of them out there i know a lot of you guys that listen to this show will listen to a lot of them but i just want to thank you personally from the bottom of my heart to each and every one of you guys out there listening Thank you so much. It means the world to me that you listen. And please tell a friend about the show. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes or any other place you find this podcast, including YouTube, or um, uh, give us a like on there, or uh, Spotify, or uh, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio, or any of those places, Spotify, those kind of places that we are found. Find us on all those different streaming channels and uh, music and video channels, and uh, we'd love to uh, just spread the outdoor nation to the world. And uh, especially to Texas and beyond. And, um, you know, we just try to make this show about everything about the outdoors that, that's in Texas and beyond, even though this is a Texas-based show. Um, I just really encourage, you know, the listeners to check out everything that's outside of the state as well as what's in the state. We just have such a, a magnitude of different things here in the state that, uh, that are great to check out for wildlife. So, anyway, thank you guys so much for watching, reading, and listening. Check out our interview with Mr. Trevor Bryan from the Cast Blast Grill Chill Podcast, and here we go. Join me on the phone, Mr. Trevor Bryan. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great. How are you, Dustin? Doing wonderful, man. Better than I deserve. It is always a blast to have you on the podcast again because 
you know, I mean, you've got a podcast. I've been on your podcast. You've been on our podcast with the Cast Blast Grill Chill guys, and then I'm having you back on this podcast. So it's kind oh, of it comes <laughs> comes full circle, right? Comes full circle. That's right. So, um, but no, it's just an honor to have you back on. And like I say, regular Texas outdoorsman, and and just uh, you know talk about the Texas outdoor nation a lot. And um, how has the season been for you so far, Trevor? It's been significantly more wet than I would have liked. Uh, starting off on on the opener of bow season, uh, the area that I hunt, primarily public land, sure. uh, and the area that I hunt got flooded the first day. Uh, I got a morning hunt in that was dry, and we have been trying to catch up um, and drain some water off, and every time we almost get there, it floods again. Um, really? It's a low air. It, yeah, yeah, it's a low area. But uh, we're just trying to get some get to be able to walk and uh, hunt the entire area again would be nice. Sure, no, I understand that completely. And and it's just it's been wetter like this this week of January that you and I recorded this podcast. I mean, there was something like one hundred. Well, you and I both live in the Austin area, pretty much. Uh, there's like one hundred low low water crossings closed. Yeah, it's been a crazy season for me, uh, just due to the water mostly, but. I did find some success in uh, in October. Shot a uh, a little freak buck. A little. Um, he was a two by four, uh, two on one side, four on the other. But he was broke off on his on his G one. Uh-huh. Um, so made him a legal buck to my antler restriction county I hunt in. Sure. Um, yeah. So got some meat in the freezer. Uh, did a euro mount on him. He's hanging on the wall. So proud right. of that one. And, Already. Uh, That's great. Yeah, yeah. So Way looking to get forward it done, to man. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to the to the later season here, um, getting some more hunting and uh, hopefully with some drier weather. That's why I wanted to have you on is uh, is late season muzzleloader season and um, just late season whitetail for antlers and spikes and that kind of stuff that we're we're kind of encountering right now. Um, and you know the Houston boat shows this month, shot shows this month. I mean, there's just a lot going on, but. You know, I love to talk to guys about who are enjoying the outdoors, you know, more than me in some cases because I've got all these shows. But, you know, like, for instance, I was just at Bass Pro tonight, or this afternoon, rather, and then it kind of bled into this evening. Um, Take my son to go get a deer feeder to go set up for some hogs. I'm setting up a hog blind on a buddy's property. And, um, you know, and then he realizes the arcade is at Uncle Buck's restaurant, the bowling lanes. <laughs> and we spent like an hour there, you know, I'm like, well, so, sometimes it's fun to just let the kids be kids. You know, he's nine and, you know, I know I'm trying to get him all into the hunting and fishing stuff, but I mean, he's just like, man, can we go hang out here? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so tickets and, and prizes and all that other stuff later, here I am again. So <laughs> hey, there's no better place to let kids be kids than something attached to a Bass Pro Shop. That's right. There's nothing wrong with that, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you know that i got a, a little bucket feeder today it was on sale last one that was on sale and um some corn and some uh some pig attractant and i'm gonna see what happens uh later this year and after deer season's over with i'm gonna try to really i bought i've ordered me a, a game camera like a what do you call it um a cellular game camera oh nice coming directly from china and uh it is uh uh 4g and so it'll work with the cellular service that i have through at&t and i'm excited dude I'm just pumped about putting that up even post you know kind of late season postseason you know oh yeah that's a good time to to scout it out man sure. especially if if the bucks are still holding to see what everything who made it through the season right. and what they're looking like what kind of condition they're in um 
you know, hopefully not too stressed out, not looking too bad. And, uh, yeah, hopefully you got a, a lot of nice deer left. Yeah, we'll see. I just love the idea of the technology sending something to your cell phone. I've never done that before. I've always driven over there, picked up the SIM card, brought out SD card, you know, brought it back home, all that stuff. It's kind of cool what the technology is today with what we're dealing with, you know, especially with cellular trail cameras. Oh, yeah, it's it's absolutely incredible. I would have never imagined that we'd be at the point that we're at. No, it's just amazing. I mean, the convenience that we have in the field now. And I never use that as a crutch, but I use that to my advantage, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah, hey, and you save some gas money not going to running trail cameras. Uh, right. You know, that's and, a bonus and the wear and tear sure. on your vehicle and everything else, it, it pays for yeah. itself you know, pretty quick. So. Yeah. Uh, the extra expense, but anyway, so let's talk about muzzle loaders. There, there's several different types, several different companies that make muzzle loaders. There's a few different types of muzzle loaders. Why does Trevor hunt with muzzle loaders? Uh, mostly because it gives me, um, let's say, a fallback or like a safety net at the end of the season. Right. If if the the whole season I haven't had much luck, um, you know, it's the end of season now. Uh, here where I'm at uh, in Texas, it's no late season aside from muzzleloaders. Uh, west of 35 here in the Austin area, there's some late season spike doe stuff. Right. Uh, I, ma- I mainly hunt on the east side, so uh, it's usually over, you know, around the 6th of January. This year's the 6th of January. Right. Um, but that gives me my safety net and my extra two weeks or, you know, a little bit more in some cases. I do hunt a piece of uh, public not too terribly far from Austin that actually their muzzleloader season runs until february the third oh wow that's fantastic yeah so so it's gonna be a i get to deer hunt until february the third so i mean that is a a good bonus for muzzle loaders well and then for guys that you know i work around processing and taxidermy and stuff all the time as well and businesses that do hunting ranches year round um you've got mld hunters you know that can hunt through the end of february uh, for high fence MLD property, I forget what MLD stands for. Management land permit, I think, or ML management land. I forget what it is, but anyway, it's it's what it is. So that's another opportunity for people that want to get out on day hunts and stuff like that. Yeah, and uh, for those guys that <clears throat> see people advertising, maybe on some online groups that uh, they're like, how are they advertising deer hunts after the season's over? Right, or whatever. That's yeah, how it's usually an MLD yeah, tag like right. Dustin's talking about. Yeah, no, that's good. I'm glad we educated people on that because um, you know I would even get stuff when I before MLD hunting was really big. I'd get stuff from from guys when I would you know publish access hunts and stuff that I sell online. Hey, deer season's over, dude. I'm just like, well, dude, <laughs> access. I mean, th- this is the time of year that we start exotic hunting. You know, yeah. And we we call that what I mean to say what I was trying to be more dramatic about that was what we say as exotic season starts in january and um you know there is no season for exotics there is no bag limit but that's kind of the the thing when when the freezer's full or if it's not there's another opportunity for you with access fallow psych i've done you know a whole podcast on exotics you know and i plan to do more in the future um there's so much opportunity out there if you you know have a few bucks that you want to spend um on a fully guided or semi-guided exotic hunt yeah, yeah, there's a ton of opportunity, and for me, right after all this late season stuff, it goes mainly to hogs, and, uh, you know, the opportunity is there for exotics like sure. you're talking about, sure. so yeah, uh, and, we yeah. live. In, we definitely live in a place with a lot of opportunity. Yeah, a lot of opportunity, that's my point, is people listening outside of Texas, I know there's some of you guys out there, so, um, and I try to make this show for everybody, so I try to, especially with our muzzleloader season being what it is, um, what are the different, I mean, if you want to get into this, this is fine, Trevor, but what are the different types of muzzleloaders that, that there are? I know, I know of a few of them on the top of my head. 
So I'm not a huge muzzleloader guy, but I, if you want, I can just give you a quick rundown on what I have. Right. Um, well, you've got an inline, I'm sure, right? You've got an inline muzzleloader, right? Yeah, I have an inline muzzleloader. So I'm running the, the CVA Wolf. It's the 50 caliber. Okay. Um, I have a Nikon inline XR. Uh, it's a 9 by 40 scope on it. Oh, so nice. Nikon, it's there. Um, I think the reticle is like 300 BD or how. Whatever that goes to. Um, so, so it's you a mean shorter a three distance. to nine by forty, right? Is that what you mean to say? Uh, yeah. So three to nine. You said nine by forty, in. so I just want to make oh, sure. Sorry, about that. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> yeah. So by forty, uh, and then so that's more of a muzzleloader style. Right. Scope, it's a modern right? muzzleloader, in other words. Yeah. Right? Okay. Cool. Yeah. And then uh, so I'm running the fifty caliber, um, the power belt style projectiles. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's not a sabo. It um, it's not a round ball. Um, it's more of a, what you would imagine a regular bullet looks like okay. projectile looks like in a bullet. And then it has, usually it has a urethane, um, like ring around the bottom of it. And okay. then, uh, a urethane tip on the top. I well. see. Okay, cool. Yeah. And, uh, other than that, I'm running a hundred grains of powder. Uh, I, I do the pellets instead of loose powder. Sure. Sure. Then that's an option you have these days, which you didn't have years ago. Yeah. Which is, I mean, couldn't be more convenient. Um, and I'm running 250 grain, triple uh, seven is the brand that I use uh, of the powder. And one thing on powder, especially here in Texas, we don't have a super prevalent muzzleloader community, if you would. Right. Um, so the sales of the powder, they go quickly. They're not stocked I um, see. a lot of the time. So it's hard to find powder. And if you wanted to ship it in, there's a big hazard cost that gets taxed on to the end of uh, end of your bill. So if, if you find it and you're into muzzleloaders, you're just trying to get started, if you find a place with a couple boxes, go ahead and pick it up if you can store it in a dry environment. That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Because it's just like shipping smokeless gunpowder in a way, correct? Because there's a hazmat fee on that stuff, is there not? Yeah, exactly the same deal. It's, if you're getting reloading components, is what I mean, and that kind of stuff. And if you're if you're rolling your own, as they say, uh, and reloading your own ammunition, it's the same kind of fee that you've got to pay for that, correct? Yeah, exactly. And I paid that fee before, so I know it's not cheap. But yeah, so what would be your suggestion, then, Trevor? Do you, would you say um, get people to order it online early, or just go to a retail store that carries it early, or what? What do you do? I started out by just calling my local my local gun shop that I like okay. to go to, um, you know, small business type place and just ask them if they have it. And if they don't, who they would refer you to. Um, sure. I, ch I checked a lot of box stores after my local gun shop didn't have it. Uh, the online said that they did carry it. And then I was going around calling people, trying to get them to check shelves for me. <laughs> Finally found one out towards you, Dustin, uh, east of Austin or west of Austin. Yeah. And so I went and picked that up out there. They had two boxes left. I, I grabbed both of them up. <laughs> And uh, Still. So luckily, luckily I've been okay for a while. Buy the cheapest prices. stack of deep, baby, right? That's <laughs> right. Know? That's right. Hoard it, you know, if you have to. Yeah, no, I get that. And that, that's completely fine. I just, I think it's going to be something that picks up more because there is more of a challenge with muzzleloaders. But the way that muzzleloaders work today is almost like a darn rifle, or like a centerfire rifle in a lot of ways. There's so many performance improvements that have happened over the last, I guess, 20, 30 years. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely, and I, I'm a super big fan of how how far they've actually come. Uh, you mentioned that mine's an inline style muzzleloader, yes. and the ease of that is, and the safety aspects of an inline muzzleloader, 
Um, so it's basically a brake action. And um, so the breech on the back unscrews. So you have full access to the back of it. There's a bunch of safety components that um, it it's it's almost dummy proof. Right. So no, I, I would highly recommend that for sure. No, that's good. Now, CVA is one brand traditions. I mean, there's a bunch of different um, night, you know, there's a bunch of different, you know, rifle companies that, that make uh, muzzle loaders or muzzle loader only companies that specialize in muzzle loaders, I should say. And um, there's just a lot of a lot of innovations that have been made in that. And I, I, say, I say it's just about every show. We're in the golden age of this stuff, man. I mean, it continues to get better and I don't even see how it can improve anymore. You know what I'm saying, Trevor? No, absolutely. Uh, another another point that I think you were almost almost uh, getting at there was uh, how the challenge that can come with. Yes, it. I was getting to that. Yes, thank you for coming back to yeah. that, Trevor. <laughs> yeah. So that. so yeah, some of the challenges that I've run into is just overall distance that yes. you can shoot mm-hmm. for one. Um, how often you have to clean a muzzle loader uh, is another, another downside. Um, it is it's, considered it's a chore, a, right? It's a chore. Oh, absolutely. Okay, I mean, so you, I just want to make sure I they have, yeah, they have like a, um, I forget what they call it exactly, but it's a, it's a parts cleaner basically. And you drop your parts, uh, that are covered in black powder down into this basket and submerge it in oh, like cool. a detergent. Right. And, uh, so it breaks all of it free. I mean, everything is just so dirty and you have to keep it super clean. Right. Um, or, you know, you're going to have issues in the field. Right. No, it's for it to work all right. No, that makes sense. But, I mean, you know, you're talking of shot that's underneath 200 yards in most cases, correct? Am I saying that right? Yeah, I would I would say, for me, my max is 100. Okay. Um, I, I feel like I can get within 100 yards of, of pretty much anything. Uh, if my wind's right, everything's kind of working in my favor. I can get within 100. I can sneak in that far if I'm on the ground. Or I can be patient and I can pass up that shot if it's over 100. Sure. That, that's just my personal uh, my personal distance that I've set for myself because that's what I've shot at with the muzzle loader and what I'm comfortable with. And I know I've talked about air guns a lot in this podcast, but this is another thing that's very similar to muzzle loader hunting is air gun hunting because you have the same kind of limitations with a heavier bullet moving of a slower a slower projectile uh, propellant, I guess if you will. Um, you know, it's the same kind of task that you're, that you're faced with is, is making that shot, in, you know, underneath a hundred yards of like what Texas Parks and Wildlife recommends for, for air guns, but it's the same kind of, you know, philosophy behind it is the challenge is in, you know, lobbing something that's, that's heavier and, uh, and bulkier downrange, you know, it's something that, uh, that you could shoot with a 223 or, you know, centerfire rifle. Um, but the challenge is making that shot count and you've got, just got one of those shots. You can't really quickly reload a muzzle loader either. Correct. Yeah. They have what they call a speed reloader right. and it's basically a handy holder for all the parts and pieces that you need to reload. But I mean, even having them all readily available right there, um, even on a bench at a shooting range, there's only so fast you can go. Sure. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I get that for sure. And so what is your game plan for the, the gear that you're using Trevor for muzzle loader? Cause you and I talked about air guns on the podcast you and I did, uh, the hunt fish repeat podcast And you know, do you have kind of a, do you, do you buy your bullets in bulk and, and stockpile them? Or what is your whole process with the gear that you put together? You've already told me about the power or the powder. So the powder is pretty much the only thing I, I need to buy in bulk. Uh, everything else is readily available. And even the projectiles you can buy off of like Amazon, uh, cause there's no hazard to them. Um, so, I mean, you can, you can go to a box store, you can purchase them there. 
or you can get them off of Amazon, which really surprised me when I first got into this. Um, but really, there's no hazard to it. You know, it's just a piece of metal um, and it comes right to your door. So pretty easy buying that. As far as the rest of my gear, we just touched on that speed reloader thing. Mm-hmm. I really do like carrying that. It's sure. basically a it's basically a belt pat pouch that uh, you just wear on yourself, and uh, it's got little spots for each one of your primers. Um, a nice. couple, you know, a couple pieces of powder in there, a couple pellets, right. and uh, a couple extra bullets. And I just walk around with it, and that's an easy thing when I get back to the truck. Um, when I go to unload, I put the primer back in. I usually unscrew the uh, the breech plug off the back. And I take my powder out and then I, you know put it right back in there. There's not a whole big array of boxes and pieces that I'm all trying to put back in different things. No, that, that makes, makes my sense. life a lot easier. That makes sense. <clears throat> and one of the things also that I I think is interesting is it's it's a lot safer than it used to be. Correct. I would say so, um, especially with no loose powder. I right. feel like. It's a lot safer, and the inline makes it even safer because you have the ability to almost instantly just break that breech open and uh, unscrew the plug. And uh, you know, you, so once you break open that action and your gun folds over, your primer sitting right there in the back of that gre- in the back of the breech plug. So uh-huh. you can just pull that out. You can put your action back together, walk around with your gun, and that gun's not going to fire. It's, it's, uh, there's no inertia behind it. There's no inertia causing agent behind it. In other words. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you drop the hammer on that, most likely there's not going to be a spark there enough right. to ignite your powder. So, right. I mean, even if you did have some freak spark happen, I guess it could, but, uh, I'd say it's unlikely. And you've got your guys, you know, there's the Flint, the Flint, uh, you know, uh, style, there's Flint log, yeah. which is the old school and then percussion cap. Is that the other kind? Right. I believe so, and so those are using like a patch and round ball. Right. Um, right. So the, your typical, you know, Civil War style musket mm-hmm. uh, is what most people would kind of identify that with. Which some guys like to hunt that way with the round ball and all that, you know. Oh, absolutely, and the I guess that gun's probably almost four feet long. Yeah, it's humongous. <laughs> it's like my Mosin a gun, you know, my World War Two yeah. rifle. You know, it's, yeah. put a bayonet on the top of that thing is taller than you are, Trevor. You know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The uh, That's funny. and those guys are usually the guys you see walking around the woods in all buckskin and yes, no, I'm just yes. no, for real. That's what that, that that's the typical guy that shoots that kind of stuff. But there's nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying that things have come a long way from the perimeter muzzle loader that we have something mm-hmm. that almost mirrors in a lot of ways up to about 200 yards, you know, a modern day, um, you know, a modern day, um, uh, you know, a centerfire rifle. And I mean, that's the neat thing about it is that you, like you were saying earlier, you extend your season, you have a new, a new weapon that you can, that you can, uh, you know, improve your skill on. And, uh, there's just a lot of advantages to doing it. Yeah, and if you're not in Texas and you're in one of the states, I don't remember them off the top of my head, but so muzzleloader, like we're touching on here, is considered a primitive rifle. Uh, that actually opens up a lot of stuff um, where in primitive seasons it would be archery and muzzleloader in the yes. late season. I know some states uh, do that. That's right. Yeah, I think that's more of a Western thing. I could be wrong, but I think some states out West and maybe even on the East, east side, uh, East sure. Coast. Um, but yeah, so that's a great benefit. Uh, it doesn't really help us here in Texas because we have a very separated group of seasons. Um, but yeah, as far as my season continuing from this point on, so we're in the first week of January, um, not this weekend, but the next, 
I'll be taking my fiance to the National Forest for uh, the first weekend of muzzleloader season. Which one? Which National Forest? Uh, Davy Crockett. Okay, David, there's Davy Crockett and there's Sam Houston. Am I saying that right? Yep, Sam Houston. Those are the two. Those biggest, are the two biggest, biggest national forests. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure because I'm not a pro at, at, at public land, and everybody's listening to the show knows that. But I think what you and Jeremy and the other guys that hunt public land do is admirable. I mean, the fact that you guys will hike it in there, will deal with other hunters, and you know, being on top of each other sometimes, that kind of stuff. I mean, you guys have a soul for the wilderness. I really honor that about y'all. It's it's more of an addiction. <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. No, it, it really is an addiction, and uh, I just tallied up over the 2018 year, just kind of uh, hunting and fishing days I've spent in the field, and I got to 85 days last wow, year. Wow, that's great. So that's it's about the quarter of the year I spent in the woods, yeah. either hunting or fishing, and man, uh, I'm I'm proud of that number, and uh, I hope it goes up a little bit next year. Uh, I've maintained a good balance so far, and. I hope I hope I can continue to do more of that because I absolutely love it. No, that's great. I mean, that's what they say. It's not a passion; it's an addiction, or it's not a it's not a liking; it's a passion. I mean, that's the way a lot of us look at hunting and fishing together. Um, it's just in our blood, you know. It's just what it's who we are, you know. And I think that's so vitally important. So, anyway, continue about what you were saying about the national forest. Oh yeah, so taking my uh, my fiance out, we just got her hunter's education done. Uh, so. I'm glad about that. We're going to get her her, her uh, license here. And in the National Forest, you only need your license. It's not a Type 2 license, um, which would be the annual hunting permit. Which is statewide, uh, right? Which is statewide. That's run by Texas Parks and Wildlife. And that's an extra $48, I yeah. believe, I when you buy your license. Year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so that opens up a lot of stuff. But for the National Forest, um, because it's a national thing, uh, it all you need is your hunting license, your hunter's education. If you're born pre, I think it's seventy six. Yeah, I think so. Dude, I was post post seventy six. So yeah, seventy six. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so you just go out there and have yourself a good time. Um, they do have a an archery season. It's an either sex, so it's a legal buck with antler restrictions, or it's a doe in archery season. General season goes back to buck only with antler restrictions. And then the late season, which we're about to do, is um, once you get into muzzleloader season, it's muzzleloader only, of course, and it opens up either sex again. Um, so there's a lot more opportunity there. Uh, we're looking to fill the freezer a little bit more. We could go through about uh, just her and I over the course of a year. I think we can go through about a doe a quarter. Yep. So that'd be four does a year. Um, we got one one buck in the freezer now uh, a little bit bigger than the dough but man i'm looking to put some more meat in there i got some ducks and some other stuff going on in there but uh i definitely need some more subsistence meat it just feels good to put meat in the freezer i don't care who you are man <laughs> oh, absolutely <laughs> whether it's it's duck or dove or fish or um or uh or big game animals i mean there's just something about it that uh just stocking your freezer with something you got out there and caught or killed is just a great feeling you know i don't think anything Man. can compare to that it really is that sense of accomplishment when you you're successful and you get to come home and whatever it is if it's a doe if it's a spike if it's a great big ginormous buck just being proud of that's what's really important i think yeah for sure. No, that's good. And so you're, um, 
your your basic approach is is spot and stalk in the national forest or is it set up a blind and wait um i know you're not allowed to do a lot of things in the national forest like hunt at night and like oh yeah of course you can't hunt deer at night anyway a whitetail but um as far as what you can do in and out of there um how, what's your approach so my main approach when i go in there is to uh hang a tree stand so it'd be a hang on stand with climbing sticks right not a climber or anything like that uh done that in the past it's it's more of a hassle uh to me than anything but i i prefer the hang on stand get way way up in a big old pine tree or big old oak tree and just glass and glass and glass so lots of binoculars i try and find the most open area that i can just so i can cover as much ground as i can um and then just you know wait on them um i'm targeting more of some late season food sources as in uh if there's any acorns that we're still holding i don't think that's going to be the case this year we've had a lot of storms a lot of high winds so i think most of the acorns have probably fallen but still a, a lot of browse a lot of um you know budded uh plants and stuff like that that they can browse on um that's a great late season food source for hunting a place where you're not feeding. Uh, if I was hunting private land with a feeder, I'd definitely be hitting a corn or a high carb, uh, food plot with like brassicas or soybeans right. or something like that. You know, just, they need those carbohydrates for sure. And it's been cold, um, off and on here. So I think they'll definitely be wanting some, some good, good, healthy, uh, carbohydrate food well the two things that i recommended in my video i did for texas fishing games uh digital issue january issue was um you know and i i'm a product guy when it comes to this stuff products that i use i like to share with with our listeners and our viewers and, and our readers and um i use big and jbb squared uh for um you know, for uh, as a food is, is kind of an attractant to get them in with the aroma and stuff that Big and J has. And then for a mineral site, uh, if you want to make a late, late season mineral site, uh, Dig a Hole is a, is a company, is a product made by Vapor Trail Scents. And uh, it's like the most concentrated mineral source they say that's out there. Uh, that that is really a you know aromatic and the deer crave that and uh, and want to get on that but I mean something that's and I know in the national forest that's if you were to bring anything like that and that's considered baiting and you can't do that is that correct or am I wrong yeah that is correct so no baiting in the national forest or the majority of the public lands okay. uh, at least here in central Texas and as far as I'm as far as I can remember most of uh, Texas as far as deer goes uh, right. hogs whole different story oh, yeah. Um, yeah. every place is different on baiting hogs it yeah. just depends I'm with you I was just I was just wondering you know what the what the story is but if you do have private land or if you you can you know get away with this I mean Big and J and, and Vapor Trail Sense are the two products that I personally use this time of year uh, to, to bring them in with a sense of smell but also what you're saying Trevor is is to bring them in with the sense of uh, through the stomach you know um, with a sense of hunger, a sense of, of wanting to eat some brows, right? Yeah, absolutely. If you can find that. Um, and this year, I've only been in this spot one time previously in December. So last month I was there. Uh, the other spot that I usually hunt was completely flooded out. It was a lake over there. I tried to escape it here in Central Texas, went to East Texas, and it was uh, just as bad. My usual spot Golly. was a lake. That's so we sad, backed man. out. Yeah, it really man. It rained it's everywhere, man. It just rained ever. The whole state was just wet, you know. Yeah, it seemed like we were just underwater, needed Noah's Ark to get <laughs> right. anywhere. But 
And uh, yeah, so I found a new spot where they had done a burn, a prescribed burn two oh, years okay. ago. Okay. Um, yeah, my dad actually had a nice opportunity at a, a really, really nice public lands buck, probably 140 class buck. And wow. Public lands, that's a that's a dandy. That's a monster for sure. public lands, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. unfortunately, uh, something happened in the shot. Uh, clean miss, look for blood and hair and everything. Um, no, he just got out of there with some does in a hurry. And, uh, so we're going to go back to that spot. I Ooh, picked the tree. Cool. And hopefully I'm hunting for my fiance. So hopefully she can, uh, she can get it done, get her first deer. And I'm really excited for, her. um, Oh, that would be think, huge. Yeah. Yeah. First so deer I'm, for being I'm a really, late season too. I mean, that would be solid dude. And a muzzleloader. Yeah. That's definitely a trophy. Uh, public land muzzleloader hunt for first deer. <laughs> I mean, if she can get that done, she can do just about anything. Talk so. about a combination. Yeah, you're pretty much golden after that point. <laughs> right. That's like shooting a 200 on an opening day. Right, 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 right. right. That's right. In a low fence, too. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited about that. Um, we're going to go rough it for the weekend and hopefully oh. get it done. Then I'm going to start targeting um, some some meet around my area in that property that I mentioned I can hunt till February the 3rd. Oh, cool. Uh, so yeah, I'll be hunting the hard muzzleloader. Uh, I'm allowed one buck, one antler list during muzzleloader out okay. there. Um, if I don't fill a tag personally at the national forest, then I'll have both those tags left over, uh, for that, that area. That's fantastic. I mean, that's yeah. great. And I mean, there's, there's just the, of course, you know, come after, after deer season, I know you're going to be going after white bass, crappie, uh, large mouth, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, there, there's just in Texas, we don't have ice fishing and that kind of stuff. Like a lot of the Northern States do, but man, do we get it on all year long, man? I mean, that's the thing I love about our state is that if you're not hunting, you can go fish, you know, if you're not fishing, you can go hunt, you know? And, um, late season is just a, a fantastic time, especially like you were saying, after deer season's over with whitetail season's done with all the way around after February 3rd, you can go target hogs. Yeah, exactly. It's nonstop all year long and def definitely uh, not passing any hogs if they come across the stand. Um, I was just up in the stand, uh, I guess, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, and uh, and oh, deer hunting, and man, right at last light. I mean, I'm talking last three, four minutes of legal shooting light. It was, uh, there's a big, a big boar that came out from my right about 80 yards out of the brush and he did a big u around me at 80 yards and he never came in any closer than that and uh and i'll shoot i'll shoot out to 40 with my bow that's just where i like to be sure. and uh he never quite made it in and i grabbed the grunt tube out of my backpack and <laughs> i extended i extended it all the way I cupped my hand over the end of it to make it even deeper. Sure, make and, it. And uh, I was just trying to mess with him, get him in. Yeah. He he kept stopping and listening. He kind of sound. He, he his body language kind of seemed interested for a moment, and he kind of turned and then go back to what he was doing. So he ended up just doing a big <laughs> horseshoe around me and kind of broke my heart. But it's all right. That's hunting for you, right? I mean, yes, sir. That's just the way it goes sometimes. Um, I, there's nothing like that though, that, uh, that close encounter with nature that gets your blood pumping is, am I right? I mean, that's why I hunt dude, you know, man, that, that is, I'm and trying to explain that rush to somebody that's never done it before. Yeah. It's not a hunt uh, at all. Right. Yeah. And it, it is very hard to do. You're like, okay. Have you ever almost been in a fist fight? Right. right take exactly. that in times 10. <laughs> 
That's good, dude. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the best way I could try and explain it. And I was trying to explain it to my fiance about you know going out there. I was like, be ready for this crazy, just crazy adrenaline dump yep. that's going to happen. It's an adrenaline dump. That's like, the best way to explain it too. Yeah, there just... there is there is no way to explain it except just be ready for it. Take some deep breaths. Try and stay calm. And uh, another thing with the muzzle loader that I was. I was just trying to get her ready for before we go shoot it. Uh, before we go, I wanted her to know that when we when you fire the muzzle loader, just treat it like any other gun and try and keep that animal or whatever your target is in the scope, sure, and not jerk away and try and look. It's especially important with a muzzle loader, just because there may be that little bit of delay in that powder actually igniting. That's one thing that's not super consistent. Um, it, I mean, if you buy top, top, top-notch powder, you might have a little bit more regularity. But there's sometimes, and it, it depends how dirty your gun is right. and everything else, uh, there may be a little bit of a delay in the in the ignition of that powder and when your projectile is actually going down range. So it's really important to just stay calm, stay on your target with the scope, and not flinch and want to peek afterwards. Um, it, your shot may not be all the way off yet right no that's that's sound advice dude that really is i'm glad you said that because that is one of the th- another challenge to hunting with the muzzle loader is that you have variables like that that aren't yeah. predictable all the time that aren't you know click bang all the time right away you know sometimes there is a delay i i didn't even think to to, to mention that on this show but i think it's brilliant that you said that so that's the great thing about smokeless powder though right isn't it that's right you click <laughs> and, and modern bang. centerfile rifles <laughs> is right. like click bang i love it <laughs> it's pretty much you know the primer goes off you're a good now i had an opportunity that i was shooting um does this uh last year last uh, was last january i was hunting with my son i've got this video up on youtube and um you know we ended up killing a doe together but i ended up uh denning all of the primers in my ar-15 uh magazine i probably went through three or four bullets um you know uh centerfire cartridges that did not ignite their fts wow. failed to fires and so i would clear the chamber and, and the deer would just sit there and wait for me to shoot again and i started cussing the thing and just saying you know what i can't do this anymore uh it was because my gun was dirty because I did not properly strip my AR-15 and um, and and you know and and clean and I had my gunsmith you know do that because I'm not a pro at AR-15s but um, you know he he feels stripped and said it was just dirty dude that's all there was it wasn't you or the ammo or anything like that and sure enough he was right man I went bang every time after that so you know but it, I bring that story up just to just to showcase. The fact that in muzzle loaders you've got to have a clean gun. You've got a good clean gun's a happy gun, right? Yeah, I agree. Just like and, what uh, you were saying earlier, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And on variables, uh, we talked about distance, and another thing that I do bring with me as far as gear is I I bring my uh, my range finder with me that I used to archery hunt with. Oh, super. When I muzzle loader hunt. Right. Um, so that's one thing that's definitely in my bag when I muzzleloader hunt and on my person at all times, as well as my binoculars is that range finder. So I'm, I'm for sure that I am comfortable with that distance. And, um, I shot a doe last year in the national forest, uh, at 80 yards with a muzzleloader. And I mean, she dropped right there. I couldn't have been happier, but I was definitely glad I had that range finder. Cause I, I really wasn't sure if I was looking at 80 yards, if I was looking at 120 yards, right. just that, that kind of barrier there is, you know, you got that 40 yard kind of, uh, I'm not quite yep. sure there's this brush in the way. There's a bunch of trees blocking, um, <laughs> you know, and I got this one, this one little shooting lane. So 
I'm glad I had the the range finder to really make sure what I was looking at to kind of cover the spread. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because that's one the tool that we use religiously in bow hunting is a range finder or at least develop the skill of depth perception to realize what is at 20 yards and what is at 30 yards and if you get really good at it which i used to be i'm not i need to sharpen up that skill again but you can you know just walk down a parking lot and go okay that's 50 yards that's 20 yards that's you know and kind of pick out targets like that and i forget what the word is for that when you when you sight distance things like that uh off the cuff with your range finder and go back i forget what that definition do you know what i'm talking about trevor it may it may be instinctive ranging. Instinctive uh, ranging. That's what I yeah, would that's what call to say. It. Yeah, yeah, instinctive ranging. But that or, or or pre pre ranging, I guess, is the best way I, I, I'm going to try to say it. You know, your your tree, your rock, your whatever. You know, it's shooting shooting the laser at that and making sure that you've got that target and what's 20 yards, 30, 35, so on and so forth. Uh, but I I I'm glad I'm not the only one that has issues at distances those longer ways away. You know, <laughs> because I feel like sometimes I'm like a big dummy. You know. Yeah. So, yeah and you know especially when i get out to you know if you're just playing the guessing game yeah uh, you know with a buddy or something you're saying how far do you think that is right oh, 300 right. yards and the other guy's like oh no that's 450 500 easy right. Like, right 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 oh man it's hard to tell when you get out real long ranges yeah. you know unless you have that experience uh if for me it's like looking at acreage it's like all right, there's that field. Tell me uh, how big that, how many acres that is. It's like, well, I have no reference. Yeah, if you have no frame of reference, you're just kind of spitting in the wind. I mean, it's just kind of, and the reason why I say I feel like a dummy sometimes is because I know there are guys that know that better than I do, but I I just don't claim to be, that's why I use a tool like a rangefinder, which in 3D archery and, you know, in a lot of, a lot of cases with, uh, with bow hunting, you know, it's either frowned upon or not used at all uh, because they believe you should have that instinctive range finding or, uh, in the case of 3D archery, that's part of the game, you know, is is shooting that target without with with guessing the range, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, and for those guys doing a lot of 3D tournaments and stuff like that, I know that those guys are are really good at doing that instinctively because I mean they're doing it all the time. They're going to tournaments and stuff. If I just walked in there, I'd need my crutch for sure. I'd uh, I'd know. need my crutch, or I'm I'm spending a bunch of money in expensive arrows. Yeah, yeah, and losing arrows and that kind of stuff. And that's the mm-hmm. other thing I was going to tell you, Trevor. You're welcome on our um, three 3D archery hill country bow hunters. Uh, we got rained out, would you believe it, of uh, the fun shoot <laughs> back in September. Um, and uh, we're doing a fun shoot, I think, in February or March. But anyway, hillcountrybowhunters.com, uh, that is our uh, website. And we I'm going to probably be elected as an officer this year uh, for the special events coordinator officer position. But I, I the huge opportunity to get your family in the outdoors, man, and just get out there and hustle and uh, and 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 teach yourself about the, you know archery and you know be around that culture. It's just it, it's every month of the off season, and it's just a blast. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. I just haven't had the time or made the time the last two years to do it much, and I'm really gonna get into it this year as my plan. Oh man, it it always looks like a blast and. I've shot 3D indoor stuff a little bit, but never in a tournament or anything like that. But I, oh, there's no money in this thing. Team. There's there's no money in the in the HACB tournaments, but it's it, you oh, get yeah, a plaque, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, just you never know. shot competitively at all. Right, uh, right you know, it's know just you always mean, you know 3D 3D targets indoor. Sure. Uh, but I'd love to start getting some stuff like that, um, some outside stuff. I, I wanted to do it last year as well, but I just I couldn't find the time. I was right. kind of obsessed with trying to. Uh, get some hogs on the ground and in the freezer and uh, got wrapped up in that. 
I just want to invite you, since we both live in the same area, it's, it's northwest Austin, Stewart Junction, Liberty Hill, uh, and, uh, uh, west of Georgetown and east of, uh, of Bertram and, uh, in Liberty Hill. And uh, it's just a really cool opportunity to, uh, to get there. And any listeners that, that frequent the Central Texas area, that's another invite for you guys to, to check this out um, on their website. And I'll put their website in the show notes. But I just, just wanted to throw that out there while we're recording. It's just one of those things that I think I'm trying to invite as many people as I can to go because it'll make me go you know so because i gotta be there for those people you know (laughs) so anyway yeah it'd be weird if uh you invite all these people and then everybody's like hey where's (laughs) Where's dustin at right (laughs) oh my gosh uh any other thoughts on muzzleloader hunting we've talked about the challenge we've talked about the variables we've talked about the 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 performance of the modern day muzzleloader and how an inline is probably the best solution for safety and and all that goes into it um what other thoughts do you have in closing here trevor I just want to say it can be a very affordable way to hunt. Uh, if you don't have the money for a nice center fire rifle, um, it can be, muzzleloaders can be inexpensive and accurate. Um, the CVA Wolf that I'm, that I'm using right now, uh, it's, I mean, they have a scope package that comes with it. I didn't go that route. Uh, I upgraded the optics, but the CVA Wolf, um, a great little gun for not a lot of money. I think it's, it's got to be under $200. Wow. That's so great. A great and expensive way to do it. Um, it takes a little bit more effort, uh, you know, to get educated on all this, but CVA is great with their videos and helpful stuff. It's not like I, I'm sponsored by them, but I promise I'm not, uh, just really like their products. And, um, so they have a lot of helpful videos that helped me get started doing this. And, uh, so anybody can do it. that has got, you know, 200 bucks to spare on a firearm. Um, and it, it opens up a lot more hunting. And the nice thing about muzzleloaders and that kind of stuff too, is that there, if you don't know everything in the outdoors, pretty much these days is figure outable, if that's even a word. Um, I always <laughs> say that about technology, you know, it's just one of those things. If you don't know it, you can go watch some YouTube videos on guys that are doing it and doing it well. Um, Absolutely. you can watch the CVA sponsored videos or their sponsored shooters doing it and that kind of stuff. And if you have questions, you can call these companies a lot of times and, and get and get an answer right away. Uh, I'll never forget the one time that, uh, I did, uh, go back to bow hunting real quick. Uh, Grim Reaper, you know, when they started sponsoring me as their pro staff, um, there would be people that literally would watch my videos and call Grim Reaper and go, what broadhead is that guy using? And they knew because I'd bought my broadheads through them. But it's one of those things where they, they actually took the time to pick up the phone and call either me or that company. And that company was there to help them. You know, of okay, doesn't shooting a you know inch inch and a half crossbow head or a two inch whitetail special uh, compound bow head, and uh, you know this would probably be the best idea for your bow, or this smaller a diameter would be, or or whatever the case may be, or, or this this sabo would be better for your for your muzzleloader, or this uh, you know regular you know bullet would be, or a uh, uh, load would be better, or the you know the, these these power pellets, whatever. Uh, the opportunities to learn about that are out there. You just have to go you know find out. Absolutely. And I mean, there's tons to learn about muzzleloaders. I still don't know everything. I'm relatively new to it, but uh, I know just enough to get me in trouble on something like this podcast. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I wanted to have you on is because I, I remember you talking about it on y'all's podcast a while back, doing muzzleloader last year, and I was like, what better guy that's that's kind of into it but doesn't know it all, you know, that that speaks from experience, you know, and a field experience, and that's what I was really looking for in in, in putting you on. So, uh, and plus, I don't know a ton of other people that hunt with muzzleloaders. So, you know, <laughs> the one thing I wanted to bring back up is is your um, your idea with the um, with having the speed load pouch. Okay, pouch is that right? Am I saying that right? Pouch. Uh, yeah, I think they call it a speed reloader or something like that. Like, okay. uh, I, I'm not sure exactly, yeah, but, but a, yeah, basically but a, a pouch, yeah. a, a, a speed reloader kit or whatever to have with you. Um, I helped guide a hunter this month last year in 2018 on an elk hunt uh, that I just published on the Texas Fishing Game um, Facebook page, and he brought one arrow to the hunt. He's 16 years old. He had a lot to learn. And he needed to put another arrow in the elk. We had to go all the way back to the truck. So I said, listen, man, if you're muzzle loading, if you're archering, if you're, you know, rifle shooting, whatever the case may be, uh, you're not Jim Shockey. Okay. Most people aren't. (laughs) Don't just bet on one arrow or one bullet or one load to to close the deal every time. If you're not a hundred percent sure you're going to close the deal. I mean, I know I've seen Jim Shockey do that on, on, on some of his hunting shows and just take one, one load and that'd be it, you know? And I'm just like, what if something happens? You know what I mean? Yeah. What, so, did they, what did they say? Uh, hope for the best and expect the worst. Expect right? the worst. Exactly, man. You know, that's what we yeah. all say in hunting. So, um, I just, I just, I think ha- being prepared is important is what I'm trying to get at there. Absolutely. And I can give you a prime example if we have some time. Yeah, we quick. do. Yeah, we do. All right. Uh, the buck that I shot in October this year. Um, he was at 20 yards quartering away shot. Uh, so I entered the last rib and you know, when you're a quartering away shot, you're aiming for your exit. Yes, so you're aiming yes. for the opposite, for the exit opposite side right, of the animal. Right. Um, so, and when my arrow went in, went in, uh, right where I wanted it to, I don't know what happened exactly, but, um, through the necropsy, it went in through the liver, so behind the rib, through the liver, hit one lung blew out the other shoulder. Uh, I missed the heart. It angled up a little bit more than I, I intended. Um, I was trying to go straight in and hit heart. Uh, it was a little too quartering away to get double lung on that shot. Um, so he went, he ran off about 30 yards. He bedded down. And so I sat there and wait. I gave him 45 minutes. I thought it was a good shot uh, when I made it. Walked up on him. or I was about, I walked up about 20 yards or so. And I saw him get up and uh, and bounce off a little bit. And he still looked like he had a little bit of life in him. So I gave him another hour and a half, followed his blood trail, found two spots where he had bedded down, not too far from the first bed. Okay. Um, when I found his last bedding spot, I was looking down at the pool of blood. I mean, it looked good. It's great blood, lots of it. I look up, he's at 10 yards looking straight at me, bedded down. Man. So I kind of back up behind some brush pull another arrow out lucky to have that other arrow sure. right i had i had three more in the quiver i have a four arrow quiver and i keep that thing full for stuff like this sure uh you never know when you're gonna freak out miss the first one completely or something like that who knows but luckily got another arrow heart shot him he got up ran about 20 yards or so fell right over um gave him five minutes and went and got him wow so you, you just you just never know man uh definitely be prepared have more ammunition that you think than you'll think you'll need. Uh, yeah. Bullets definitely don't weigh a lot, and 
It's easy to carry them. <laughs> and muzzle loader loads or um, you muzzle know, loader your, your, loads your, and arrows, your arrows, your 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 bullets, that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I just bring this story up. I'll never forget one time when um, I was with a guy on a ranch um, in uh, West Central Texas, and uh, he I was filming his, his hunt, and he had shot a, um, a a spike in the neck, and it dropped right away. But he didn't bring his gun to come and uh, recover it. And it got up and wa- and just kind of stumbled away, and I could I could have gotten it, uh, you know, and, and, and put it dispatched him there, but I couldn't I couldn't catch him in time, and by that time he was gone, and that that taught me that time always always bring your rifle, always bring your muzzleloader, always bring your crossbow, or your your compound bow, or whatever weapon you're hunting, uh, and and have it locked and loaded, have it ready to go in case you need to to deliver that fatal shot, you know. Um, so that's just, I had that experience this year with, uh, with a doe that I shot, I did a neck shot, but I spined it and uh, I was a little bit low and I didn't hit right in the neck and, um, you know, I had to go and, and put another one in it, you know, uh, when I walked up, I couldn't, couldn't, uh, cut its throat or anything like that as, as morbid as that sounds. But sometimes you have to do that, especially if you're bow hunting and you can't carry a gun with you. Um, it's just one of those things where it's just, it's just sometimes that's hunting for you. That's just life as it happens, you know? Yeah, no, we absolutely owe it to the animal to sure. uh, make it as, as quick and, and painless as possible. Right. But sometimes stuff like that does happen in both of these stories that it's unexpected and uh, you got to do what you got to do yeah. to, um, to to finish it, you know, and make it uh, a little more ethical. Right, right. I mean, and that's what it's all about. And that's the one thing I've always been about on the show is ethics and, and making that, that quality, you know, hunt and, and also make it a quality memory in the outdoors and everything like that, but also making it as, as you know, painless and quick and ethical as, as possible for the, uh, for the animal. So I wanted to definitely bring that up too. So, yeah, no, this is good. Do you have any way for people to get a hold of you, Trevor? Uh, yeah, for anybody on Instagram is mainly what I, uh, Mainly what I post stuff to can look me up um, it's at Trevor, T-R-E-V-E-R, period, C-B-G-C. It stands for Cast Blast Grill Chill. Oh, yeah. Um, that's the podcast I do with my cousin Jeremy, uh, Public Land Podcast. Um, plenty of content out there. Uh, go check us out on any of the, the social media platforms uh, at Cast Blast Grill Chill. And if you want to listen to the podcast, go check it out. Um, I also have a podcast myself called Hunt, Fish, Repeat. And uh, you can do the same there. So no, definitely good. check those out. Uh, the Cast Blast Grill Chill, I enjoy listening to you guys. It's very conversational. It's very storytelling. It's just a lot. It's kind of like sitting around with you two guys at the campfire and just, you know, shooting the breeze, drinking a cold one, and just uh, enjoying the outdoors. And that's one thing I've liked about y'all. You and Jeremy, whether you know it or not, have, have caused me to slow down more because I'm go, go, go all the time with everything I do in the outdoors. And the, that's what they call me the outdoor success guy. Um, you know, but y'all, y'all told, y'all kind of taught me, hey, calm down, you know, just chill out you know grill some meat grill some fish you know have some fun you know and just just enjoy the the lifestyle more is what i want to say there oh yeah i'm, I'm glad we could for somebody because i still don't know if i've calmed down any uh, <laughs> I, and i know jeremy hasn't because he's a duck hunter at heart and he just likes to crack jokes all the time i'm more of a deer hunter big game hunter so <laughs> i'm a little a little less talkative a little right. more sit deer stand type but yeah but uh yeah No, that's good. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Trevor. I appreciate you. Always love being on the show. Thanks, Dustin. 
And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Trevor Bryan, Cast Blast Grill Chill. Great guy, great opportunity to sit down with him and talk. And uh, just wanted to also key you guys in on our newsletter, which comes out three times a week. It is free. Uh, actually, you're going to be getting even more newsletters. I just had an editorial meeting last week before this podcast airs. Um, with our editorial team and basically we're there for the Houston Boat Show and I'll have, probably have a Houston Boat Show podcast or some kind of coverage on the website with the Houston Boat Show on fishgame.com if you want to go check that out and it was an amazing show um but basically you uh You've got some opportunities of some other email blasts we're going to be doing, some other special newsletters besides our three normal ones, and that's the Tactical and Practical Tuesday, which comes out every Tuesday, uh, Wildlife Wednesday, and the Thursday Texas State of the Outdoor Nation. Uh, all kinds of wildlife stuff from all over the nation and Texas and beyond, and uh, just some really great opportunities there to plug in and visit our stuff. So thank you guys so much again for watching, reading, and listening. Have an awesome day in the outdoors. We'll see you next time.